welcome to the MF Gamers Podcast. This is Play Want Bin for July 2018. I'm Hendo, and I'm joined with Ben. Hello. Do you want to go first or me? Yeah, go on then. I'll start with Octopath Traveler because it's when this comes out, it's, it's probably the game, I don't know about most of the forum, but a decent number of people on the forum will be playing. It's a Switch game. It's by Square Enix, and it's, it's by the team that made Bravely Default, which I don't know how many people on the forum played, but it sort of borrows from that a little bit. Right. But it, it's sort of inspired by the old SNES-style Square Enix, or Square and Enix RPGs, I guess, in that it's turn-based, and it's it's very, very JRPG stories. But there's, there's eight different characters. All of them have different stories. They're all, in theory, or the, I've heard this as a criticism, they're essentially all just going along their own story and don't interact, but that you add them to your party. So Dragon Quest IV does something similar, and that felt like a group, a disparate group, but a group of people work together. Whereas this, it's like they just happen to be stood next to each other and fighting the same things. There's no real reason for anyone to join you other than, oh, I'm going in that direction, I'll come with you. That's basically it. And then eventually their story will break off again and they can do their own thing, although your other characters will be there, but you don't influence that story with the other characters beyond just the fights so it's not like um near where you'll get the same thing from different perspectives no right the way it seems like a, a lot of people have been picking the same characters to start off with but all eight characters are viable to start off with i played as a dancer on the first demo and, and didn't really enjoy it but she's a support character essentially you know she's got stat boosts and stuff so i'd have thought she's worse for going off on her own Whereas the you know the knight or whatever can just deal damage and take damage, so that's fine. So I start off as the uh, I think he's the academic. He has some magic, and he has a, a skill. He all have sort of unique skills as well. And his is that he can analyze enemies, and they've all got weaknesses. So you find out what their their weaknesses are. It's an easy way to do that. It seems to be like a lot of people have taken that approach and, and gone as him. And then on the map, there's other characters near you know up the road, down the road, all that sort of stuff. And they're who people then pick. So it means that a lot of people have fairly similar experiences. So you start off with the, or for me, I started off with the academic, went through his story, which is he, he gets accused of, he clearly is not popular with the higher ups at the, say, university, but it's, it's slightly different from that. So he, he leaves to go on an adventure, but he's also accused of something because someone's jealous of him. So the next town I went to then involves this um, religious girl who is after some sacred flames, sacred embers, to uh, stop paying attention, to be honest. Some of the stories are not very good. And so when I met her, she just basically tells my character this story, but in doing that, it's just as though I picked her first. And then when you go and do the dungeon for her, chapter one dungeon, which is the bit you would just do on your own if you'd picked her, you've got the other person there. And the other person is, say, or my character is, say, I said my character, the first guy I picked is by that point level 8 or whatever and she's level 1 and, and so he's you know quite useful in there and then you get the third character and you do the same thing again, you get their story go to their dungeon and but there's three people then, but then when you get the cutscene at the end of that dungeon it's just the one person it's as though the other people aren't there and that's kind of the structure of it which is where I've had, I put this in the thread for it, it's where I've got a bit of an issue is there's eight characters and you're doing that gameplay loop eight times, assuming you're going for all the characters, which my understanding is you need to to get the proper ending. So is it very long then? I don't know. I, I could see it being quite long, but I don't think it's going to be a, like, Persona 5 took me 150 hours, I think. I think this is going to be more like 50 or 60. For each character? No, no. To do your chapter 2... Or like so, the academics chapter two. You can't just go straight there. You could if you wanted to, but you need to be level twenty-four. So you might as well pick people up along the way and give yourself the best chance. 
So you don't have to get everyone to do his next chapter. I don't know what goes on after chapter two, whether that's just the end of their story. So it's not hugely complicated. It's maybe, it's maybe an hour for each character. So to get to the next character, to get there. So I've probably put in five and a half hours or so, and I'm about to pick up my fifth character, if that makes sense. So hmm. I've got characters now who are level 15, I think. So yeah, it's not, I don't think it's going to be stupidly long. In terms of combat, it's very similar to, or similar to Bravely Default. Bravely Default worked with its credit and debt in terms of battle points, turns, if you like. So you could use up more turns, so three turns, to do a really powerful attack or really powerful heal or whatever, but then you wouldn't be able to move for the rest of, you know, for three turns. So mm. if you were going to wipe someone out, it was worth doing it. But if not, you were going to just be left stranded there, or that character would be left stranded there. This works in a similar way, except you don't have the debt. Just every turn you accrue a bonus point, if you like, a BP, a, an extra turn, and you can then use that to make a more powerful attack, more powerful magic, more powerful heal, so on and so on. Enemies have shield points, and the only way to remove those shield points are to attack a weakness. So if they're weak to um, electricity, for example, if you've got a character who has an electric spell, lightning spell, use that, it'll take one off their shield. If they're weak to, say, arrows, you could use, and they've got three shield points, you could, if they've got enough turns, enough BP, you could get your archer to attack three times on one turn. That will take all their shield points away, and it means everyone else then will just be attacking this enemy in their weakened state, and they could do more damage. I'm liking it. I was a bit tired of it, but then I have just played Persona 5, which was 150 hours. There's a couple of other RPGs I've got on the go, another Shimigami game, and, and so on and so on. So it might be suffering just that I'm not desperate for an RPG at the minute, even though I've enjoyed this. If you don't regularly play RPGs, but you like them, particularly like the old-style ones, then maybe... I'm not not enjoying it, I am enjoying it. But your tolerance of it might be... Uh, you may not be as worn down by it as I am. Your results may vary. Yeah, but I do think it's good, and I, I will finish it, but I've got the impression the two days where I've sat and played it for long periods, like multiple hours, I, I sort of felt a little like, maybe that's not the way to play this. Like, I'm <laughs> getting like a certain amount of time, like, I need to turn this off and go and play anything else, because I'm going to start hating this if, if I don't walk away from it. Uh, so what about you, then? What have you played? I've played a little bit of a fair few games. One I will mention first is a free-to-play phone game, because uh, those are always fun. But this is, rather than me saying to people to go out and play it, this is me um, laughing at it, really. At this point, Hendo has forgotten to mention the name of the game, so I'm here to tell you that it's called Dead Island Survivors. Tatty bye. Free-to-play tower defense spin-off it's a bit weird it plays similar to a game called orcs must die in that it's tower defense but you also have a character that runs around and yeah you need to be moving around the map and actually doing stuff rather than just putting towers down the most notable thing about it is apart from the fact that it's free to play and it's got chests on timers and uh, loot boxes and gems and stuff the voice acting is absolutely atrocious. I'm no position to speak, but I am not a, a professional voice actor. But Jesus, flat deliveries on some of these lines is just astonishing. I could have done a better job, just hand me a script and monotone my way through. <laughs> like one of the women is just awful. It's just the most emotionless, 
I'm clearly reading from a script delivery I've ever heard in my life. I found some footage from YouTube, so I will whack it in here because it needs to be heard of just how god-awful it is. Hey, big guy, I need help here. Thanks for the assist. You've got some nice moves there. You got some moves yourself. What are you doing here? I was looking for medical supplies before I ran into this group of people. Do you think, because I wondered this with um, House of the Dead many mm. years ago, did they just get people from around the office or people in the building? Kind of like, you're English. Can you <laughs> read, or you're South African. Can you, can you read this? And do you think it is a case of that? They've just kind of gone, well, we need, we could pay voice actors or we could just get someone to, here's a mic read this line yeah I mean in House of the Dead it works quite well because it's such a cheesy B-movie kind of thing yeah and in a sense Dead Island is I guess but I don't know it just really rubbed me the wrong way no other way of putting it I suppose it's um, it's just shite <laughs> and the gameplay is okay enough but it really after about an hour the free to play mechanics really start rearing their head yeah it's like, oh, you can speed this up with a gem. Oh, you haven't got any gems. Well, we've got a shop over here. It's free-to-play done very badly, I think. It's just a by-the-numbers, free-to-play style of... There's no thought put into it. It's just you need more items. You need to level up your stuff. So we're going to give you loot boxes. You can buy the loot boxes. You can earn them, and then they'll take time to unlock. It's just very... By the numbers, no thought put into it. Yeah, I don't know. But anyway, uh, what else have you been playing? Regular forumers will know. I uh, I quite like the East games. I've been playing East 8, Lacrimosa of Dana. Or Dana? Don't know. I really like the East games. When they're good, they're really, really good. Oath in Felgana is a fantastic game. And uh, the last one, Memories of Salsetta, which was a Vita game. Which is why this sort of, um, you can see the roots of that in East 8, Lacrimosa of Dana. In that it looks, <laughs> looks, it looks terrible. But anyway, the Memories of Celtic was really fast. It didn't look great or anything, but very action-packed. It's, it's weird seeing it referred to as a JRPG, which I have recently. It's more of an action game with RPG mechanics. So you dodge enemy attacks and then you'll get the equivalent of like witch time, like Bayonetta, that fills up another meter in you know through using that, which is like a super move that you can accidentally trigger because it's pressing dodge and shield at the same time, which you are likely to be doing if you're using the shield button to cast a special because it's shield and a face button, and then dodging an incoming enemy attack. The amount of times you launch a special by mistake, yeah. I just want to stress, I really like the East games because. I'm going to complain about this one a bit. Hmm. I'm going to moan about it. So it originally, uh, I say it was, a, it came out on the Vita and the PS4. Maybe it was a little bit after on the PS4, but it came out on the Vita. I didn't get the Vita version, even though it was the platform I was toying with getting it on. Because A, you know, how often am I going to play my Vita? And even like a year or so ago, I don't think I've played it since that came out. So I sort of held off and I'd heard some stuff about the frame rate on the PS4 version came out, but it's always been, I'd, I'd probably prefer it on, on a handheld for the same reason, you know, people prefer stuff on the Switch. Apparently the translation was terrible, but they were going to fix it. The point they said they were going to fix it, they also announced that um, there was a PC version. And I played Oath in Falgana on PC, so I was like, oh, maybe I'll buy it on PC. 
by the time the PC version came out, they'd announced the Switch version. So I was like, well, Switch version's the ideal. It's handheld, it should run well. I'll get it on that. It doesn't run very well. It runs at best at 30 frames, but you need to be dodging stuff and blocking at the right time and, and stuff. And there just is too much input delay at 30 frames per second to do that well. So it's, if you've never played an East game, it's probably fine. But having played a few and played them at 60, it doesn't feel right. It, it feels like a bad East game to me. And it's not a terrible game by any means, but it's frustrating the amount of times I'm taking damage. And I know I pressed dodge. I know I should have moved out of the way and, and got the timing right. And there just there isn't that window there, but the game is still built for it to be there. So the frame rate will drop below that as well. And the resolution gets crazy on it. It's not a good looking game anyway, and it looks fairly... It's got this stripe thing going on, which I think means it's... Um, I don't know if you ever watch any Digital Foundry stuff. Now and again. They talk about, to get the resolution to fit, they keep the, if you like, the 720 axis, the, the width. Oh, sorry, mm. that would be the, the height. They keep that the same, but they shorten it on the width, and I don't know, it's, it's, we don't pick up on it as well, or as often. I'm not entirely sure, but you can see these definite stripes in the, in the game, as, particularly if you just slowly just move the camera, and it sort of, I think that is i think they've that's what they've done is um reduce the resolution on the width axis and so when it's sort of rebuilding it, it you can see the, the duplicated pixels and stuff i think that's what's happening but i might be wrong and it might just i'm playing a switch on a 4k screen and it's probably running at best 720p anyway so yeah you get weird things where the game world is at a certain resolution but the water that you're next to the lake the stream whatever is like sub well, maybe like maybe it's like 360 or, or 420p resolution or something. It's really, really low quality. So at points, the game looks like a Dreamcast game, if that. It's a weird thing. It's just not a very well-made, for whatever reason, it's not a, a particularly good version of this this game. And I, I don't get why, because Memories of Celtetta ran really well on, or my memory of it was it ran really well on, on Vita. I'm sure the frame rate did drop and stuff, but not hugely. So that the Switch is struggling with it is weird, but apparently it's... They made the PS4 version and then ported down to the Switch. Mm. They maybe should have ported up from the, the Vita version. It also stops you in your traps quite a lot. You get called back to this village hub. You're all cast away on an island and you have to go and find all these other castaways. So you go out exploring, find a castaway, come back. But sometimes it'll just tell you to come back for whatever reason. You can't progress any further. We need to speak to this person. The village has been attacked. We need to go and defend it. And it just it sort of drags things out a bit. It's, it's quite a long game. So I know Blakey's been enjoying it, and I'm not hating it, but it's not as good as, I'd say, maybe three other East games that I've played. But it's also it's better than one or two others that I've, I've played, I guess. But yeah, it's just disappointing, I think. I, like I said, I really, really like the East games, and I've been looking forward to East 8 for at least you know a year and a half, two years. And uh, yeah, I finally get my hands on it, and it not being... You just think, oh, this is easy. Put that on the Switch, done. Yeah. and uh, it not being all I wanted it to be is a bit disappointing but at the same time they probably did need to do something to freshen it up yeah so what about you then what uh, what's your next one well very quickly I can't there's not a lot to say about it but last month I was playing Yuku's Island Express on the Switch yep and I finished it and uh, it's a fairly short Metroidvania did you play SteamWorld Dig 2 yes it's more or less the same kind of length as that. It's not 
the meatiest thing in the world, but it is quite good fun. So I don't think I finished it around the last Play One Bin, but around the time that podcast came out, I finished it, and yeah, it's it's pretty good. I think it got a full price retail release, if I remember right. Yeah, right. I might be wrong with that, but it maybe I am wrong with that, but I'm sure it got a, a retail release. So yeah, that it's a decent length, I guess is a, a good thing, because if it was sort of eight hours or something, then maybe it wouldn't justify that. But yeah, well, to, to be fair, it is about eight hours. Oh, it's, right. um, Maybe I just took far too long on um, SteamWorld Dig 2 then, because that, that seemed to take me uh, like approaching sort of 15 or something. Well, I think they're probably both about the same, where you could 100% it and go and get everything. I wasn't that fussed on doing all that for SteamWorld Dig or Yoku's Island, so I just finished the quest and then that was it, really. Well, yeah, it's good fun. I'd recommend it to anyone after a decent Metroidvania. Bit of pinball as well. <laughs> That's all I can say about that one, so I'll bounce it back to you. I will uh, change tact a little bit, and this is not a Switch game. Ah. The Fidelio incident, which uh, I think came out last year. I must have picked it up on a, a Steam... Yeah, I did. I picked it up in the Steam sale, so it's a PC game. Wouldn't be surprised if it eventually found its way to consoles, but it took its time unless it is already out on consoles I've no idea these two uh, or this Irish husband and wife crash land a plane in I think I think it's supposed to be uh, Iceland or or Greenland possibly and what I was going to say is sort of a spoiler but it's a really obvious spoiler the game almost just straight out tells you it but uh, essentially the plane splits in half and um you play as the husband and you're trying to get to your wife and you can see the smoke in the the distance where her plane landed or her half of the plane and yeah so you need to make a a cross but it's freezing cold and the gameplay starts off with you're essentially you have to go from heat source to heat source otherwise you'll just freeze and die so uh, first person it's very nice looking game at points and so yeah it's it's sort of what do you call it like narrative adventure or discovery game walking simulator i guess but you also get tasked with, oh, you need to find all my diary pieces. Yeah, the diary pieces that uh, of, of your wife's contain information about who you are. So you're on the run from from something or pretending uh, you know, you've taken on different lives, at least. I'm not sure it necessarily uh, explains why anyone would, A, give a shit, or B, go looking around this tundra just to uh, to find some bits of paper. It seems like they just go, well, this, the, here's a body in a smoking wreckage. Here's another body in a smoking wreckage. Job done. Like, I don't think they're going to go looking around for notes and stuff like that. But, you know, that's what the game is. And um, it sort of takes a few it takes a few turns along the way. But it's all, it's really about the, uh, oh, it, it takes some cues from, not cues. The history of the characters is, involves uh, the troubles in Ireland. Oh, okay. And so it, it's, it, I don't know how well it does that stuff, but it certainly it's a story you don't hear in games very often. Really pretty game at points. Decent enough. It, well, I didn't find it too frustrating or anything, and I don't think I died at any point, which is um, something I did think might happen, and also might be the point where I just went, I can't be arsed for this. Mm. But yeah, it, it's all right. The story's all right. You were talking about the voice acting before. I think if the main character, the, the husband, if he isn't Irish, he does a very good Irish accent. Yes, he is. I've just been uh, researching it. Okay. I suspect the uh, his wife in it, the one playing his wife, is not Irish. Uh, that I cannot tell you. Okay, because I don't think her accent's very good at all. 
yeah i don't know if like tommy would know better than me i think whether because sometimes i think you hear accents you go that's a terrible accent and then the people who would you know people who live there or whatever go oh, actually no that's a, that's a really good version of that accent it's just you don't hear that accent so you think it's a bad accent in the same way english accents there's an english accent that americans do yeah yeah no one actually speaks like that it's just recognizably english whereas if someone came over and did say i don't know a geordie accent or something it might sound a little much but people might go no actually that's that's a pretty good geordie accent the only believable um english accent done by an american was for me was um the guy in buffy uh spike yeah this was pretty good like so much so that when you hear him do his normal accents, like that's not right at all. That's <laughs> he's putting on an American accent. What's what's going on there? Um, Maggie Gyllenhaal was in a series. I think it's called The Honorable Woman, and she plays a, a British. Uh, I think she's a businesswoman or something. But she's got ties to Israel and and stuff. And um, her accent's brilliant in that. Really, really good. Whether or not it holds up all the way through, I, I don't know. But again, it's a little bit. Like, I've probably met people that speak like that-ish, but I couldn't tell you which bit of England she was from. But it's it's a good accent, at least. But yeah, I don't have a huge amount else to say about it. It's, it's an interesting thing. It's, it's uh, the Fidelio incident. It's probably fairly cheap at this point, or it certainly was in the in the sale. Uh, if you're after one of those types of games, it's you know a, a walking simulator type of thing. It's got a bit of stuff going on. It tells a, a reasonably good story, the, the sort of fetch quest stuff in it. I don't know. Also, as far as I know, there's no way to go back. And if you miss the um, miss the notes, then I don't think you can get them again, other than replaying the whole game, which I don't think I'll I'll do. And I don't know if it matters that I didn't get all of them beyond just a Steam achievement. Um, I don't know if there's some extra ending or something that you get. But yeah, anyway, that's it for that one. Okay, cool. Next on mine, I've been playing Luminez, the remastered version of Luminez. Again on the Switch, it's all Switch for me, I'm afraid. I don't know if you ever played it on the PSP or the various versions after. Um, I think I have played a, a Luminous one, but I played more of uh, Meteos or Meteos, Meteos. Yeah, I absolutely loved Luminous on the PSP. That was the launch game to get for the PSP, and I hammered the hell out of it. And I remember um, playing it a lot with my mate, who's he's really into falling block puzzle games and he's a lot better at them than me like when we play Puyo Puyo Tetris he just destroys me mainly when he plays Puyo Puyo because I'm terrible at that my memory of Luminous was I was really good at it uh, however not so anymore I am absolutely abysmal the trance like state that I found myself getting into on the PSP doesn't seem to be happening but um I might need to go through the tutorials and relearn how to play it properly. Mm. But it's still a really good game. It's always a bit disheartening, isn't it, if you go back to a, a game that you used to be really good at or used to play a lot. Yeah. And the thought of starting, getting on that that training, if you like, again. I don't know. Yeah, I have, I have similar issues. With, I know if we talk to Spatula and he's, he's been talking about Ikaruga because that's just come out on um, Switch as well. But I think he's got it on PS4. And uh, I, I have fighting games sometimes that I've gone back to and a few other things where it's just like, I'd love to be as good as I was at this, but I I, I can't. I know how long I, how much time I put into it. Not, I wasn't looking at it as like work, but to get to that level again, the amount of work involved is, is not worth it. And I guess Luminous must be one of those games as well. The whole style of it and the, the way it works is just so cool, but 
I am god awful at it right now. Mm. Spatula is on my high score list, and it will not surprise you that he's number one. <laughs> yeah, he'll tell you he's terrible at it as well. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, he's like millions and millions of points, and I've got like two. <laughs> and yeah, he's um, he's a beast on those kinds of games. I was watching it being played a bit, and um, it looked like. Um, did you ever play Chime? Yes. It has the same. I mean, I know Chime has the Tetris piece aspect slightly more. I, I guess this does as well, but more sort of t-shape and all that sort of stuff but the, the way the the combo system works i guess or the timing works you need to get the stuff down as the beat passes it yeah yeah i fancy playing chime again i might might pick that up somewhere mm. that's uh, all i can say about luminous to be honest okay i'll mix things up a bit so we don't switch I've, I've got another pc one as well although this was a pc one but just to break up a bit um an xbox one game that like i say i played um i played using the game pass there was a deal on after E3 where you could get it for a month on PC for a pound. The uh, Game Pass on PC is unfortunately a waste of money. <laughs> there's like five... No, I think I counted in there's ten games, but four of them are like Barbie Adventures or something like that, or My Pony Experience or something. And then there's, um, I think, Rico... What's the pirate one? Sea of Thieves? Yep. What's the zombie one? <laughs> Good question. They're all zombie ones. Um something 2 State of Decay 2 alright I think that's in there and then Gears of War which is what I played Gears of War for the others I have no interest maybe Recore but not against the clock I had other things to, to play so I played Gears of War 4 I like the Gears of War games generally speaking enjoyed them on the 360 and um, yeah I think you know I, I thought 3 was three, 2 or 3 I think are the, the best I thought 3 did a really good job something that struck me it's always stayed with me is Three did a better job of not making it look like the world was just full of cover. There was bits in that where it was just a game world. Yeah. And so you were like this bit where you walk through, I think it's like a big shopping centre, like a mall or something like that. And there's benches and stuff. But it sort of makes sense that the benches are there and that's the cover. Whereas Gears of War 4 falls back into the trap of and Killzone 2, I think, did this as well. I remember that being really obvious with that everything looks like it's been placed there by someone who intends to have a battle there it's the only thing that room is supposed to be for except this time it's like the front of a base as in like gardens i guess a bit right at the start where you're you're in like an encampment and that's just gardens and flowers and stuff like that and but it's, it's all set out like that it's, it would be pointless for it to be anything it wouldn't be unworkable for the intended use you end up in someone's house as well and, and in their garden greenhouse and all that and exactly the same thing it's like you've not used this space very well unless you intended to have a battle here and use it as cover yeah and it, that sort of runs through the game and it's i don't i think it's a real detriment to it because it means you know exactly what's coming up and then the characters will shout it out as well they'll sort of shout out the enemy types so juvies which are these sort of like a swarm if you like fairly easy to kill if you hit them but they move about quickly and there's a lot of them bigger soldiers and so on and so on and so you kind of know, okay it's this gameplay okay it's this gameplay okay it's this gameplay and you can just kind of tell before it starts and then the game makes a point of showing you as well and telling you what it is and it just i sort of found it a bit a bit dull and the combat should be fine but it needs a bit more breaking it up and i think some of the past games did that better than than this one and, and some of the moments where it does try and break it up with a motorbike chase and, and some other things are just not very good a bit clumsily done and yeah and the characters i really didn't like any of the characters they're all a bit too um smart ass and 
I don't know. And the, the game also just doesn't really explain what's going on. It just sort of starts and you feel like you missed something. Even the way it ends, because I don't play Gears of War repeatedly, um, you know, I'm not in on the, the world and the lore and all that sort of stuff. I just kind of played it and then moved on. I didn't really understand what the end was until if I hadn't have seen the E3 preview for the next one, I wouldn't have understood what was what was going on with how they end it. Oh, is that the um, the woman who's really locust or something? Yeah, yeah. She's got like this the necklace that she wears in in the E three thing. She gets that, and it, the camera just sort of lingers on it. I think lingers on the back of it or something. I was just like, I don't know what that means. But <laughs> but no, because it's just one one of them to like Marcus just go, what the fuck, and <laughs> and call her out. You know, all right, like how does that work? But yeah, I don't know. It's not a terrible game, but it's it's a disappointing Gears of War game. But it does some cool stuff with the it has the outdoor bits with the wind, and you can use environmental stuff in amongst that bit. That stuff's pretty good. It may be that Gears of War Five is actually a really really good game because if this was their first attempt, and they you know fix the stuff that's wrong with it, they pace it better, uh, improve the characters as well, improve the writing a bit. It could really make a difference to it because like I said, the combat is still Gears of War. And the environmental stuff they do is, is pretty good. So yeah, if they can do that, maybe just reduce the bullet sponge element of it a bit as well. Might end up being a, a really good game. But yeah, I didn't. This didn't do it for me. It was a bit. I've been wanting to pick it up for a while, and um, eventually did. I was surprised by how poor it was. I, I sort of felt like I hadn't heard. Once I played it and went looking around, I saw a few people refer to it as a disappointing campaign. Hmm. Whereas I, I didn't pick up on that beforehand. Maybe because I just wasn't looking. But I was going to say it ran okay on my PC. It did, but it um, it also just crashed for no reason quite often. It sounds like um, the Xbox version has its its own issues as well. But it saved. I, I never lost progress from it or anything. It just, you know. I played um, about half of it with a mate in split screen because um, he still wanted me to try and get me to get an Xbox One. It's like, that's not going to happen. So I played it around his house, and I don't know whether it's something to do with the game or times have changed, but we really, really struggled playing it in split screen. Yeah. Like, he decided to buy a bigger TV after that. <laughs> and even now he's got a... I think he's got like a 60-inch TV, and I think we tried it and we still struggled. But it seemed all right. Like also, the beginning of it made me really um, hanker for another binary domain. Yeah, binary domain does that a lot better because those robots were kind of, like I said, bullet spongy, and you kind of want to be able to pick off the legs and the head and, and all that sort of stuff and use that to your advantage. Yeah, binary domain. The irony there is binary domain does not start well and gets to be a very good game. Whereas yeah, the, the robot stuff goes on a bit too long. But at least they introduced a, a new, some new enemy types, I guess. Yeah. They're a bit too bullet spongy, the the uh, robot enemies. But uh, anyway, yeah. So I apologise to Nag for that <laughs> section, assuming he's listening. Like I say, it's not absolute shit or anything, but it's um, after wanting to play it for a while. It's it's a, the East thing of it's probably fine. It's just um, it was something that I actually have been wanting to play, and uh, yeah, it just it wasn't what I wanted it to be. So uh, anyway, what's what's your next one? Again, another Switch game. I apologise, but this is also available on PC, PS4, probably Xbox One, I'm not too sure, uh, Thumper. Oh yeah. Which I think you've played? No. Oh yeah, oh, okay. I will get to it at some point, I think. If I ever get a VR headset, I think I'm going to pick up 
then. Yeah, that was where I first played it. I went around to a mate's and he's got an Oculus Rift with ridiculous room stuff set up <laughs> and he's got a lot of space. And it's not, I don't know, it works without VR. It's quite optional, but I don't know if it's a latency thing or the Switch thing, but I first time I've ever played it around his and in VR... He stopped me like a few levels in. He didn't put me right at the very beginning because it's just very, very basic tutorial stuff. And I was just storming my way through. And when I played the Switch from the start, and I was really struggling to pull some moves off and get it in time. So I don't know if there's some latency going on or in VR you can see clearer in the future. In the the distance. In the distance, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. But... I've really struggled with some bits of it. I think, again, Spatula's on the high score table on that. <laughs> yeah. Whenever I mention that I might get it at some point, he just always goes, hmm, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure it's your sort of thing. <laughs> so he's trying to talk me out. I think he doesn't want me uh, taking his uh, his leaderboard place. <laughs> yeah, no, I wonder with, with the Switch version, not to do the Switch down or anything, might be the same thing as, as East, that it's just it's running at half the frame rate as, of everything else. Yeah, I don't know. It didn't... St- seem to be i mean i'm not very good at picking up on frame rate stuff to be honest it seems smooth what exact frame rate it is i don't really know yeah but i think it might be just me i don't know but i really like it i've got the soundtrack saved on spotify but the soundtrack is not something i would recommend to listen to if you haven't played the game it's very weird yeah it's kind of insect industrial yeah it's quite avant-garde and it works in it works really well in the context of the game and you really get into it and when you're doing your timing button presses you're playing rather than on the beat which is what you generally get you're playing more like syncopated rhythms and stuff yeah or like in res where you'd be playing the hi-hats and they'd be like off beat or something it's a bit like that it feels really when you get it nailed it feels cool as fuck mm. it looks really smart I can imagine the um I don't know if he uses it properly, but the HD rumble being quite good on that, like because if you, you're hitting the edge of the turns and stuff, it does use it. I can't tell you exactly what it does, but it definitely rumbles. Mm. One day I'll pick up because it's one of those. There's a couple of games like this, I guess. Res is another one that I keep telling like where to buy it because I'm more likely to play it on a console, I think. But my PC will run it better, and my PC's connected to my telly, 4K telly. I'm more likely to play on the TV on a console. So, yeah, but PC will run it at higher frame rate at 4K and all that sort of stuff, but better than the Pro will, I think. So, well, yeah, and obviously better than the Switch. So maybe one day, but I don't know when. My last game then is... um, It's something I picked up the other day really cheap. It's called The Vagrant. If you ever played a Vanillaware game, which uh, they do um, Dragon's Crown and Odin Sphere... And uh, Mirror Mass of the Demon Blade, which was a Wii game. No, I don't think I've ever played any of them. It's a very particular art style. It's a really good art style. I could almost like a watercolor art style, but the characters, not so much in um, in Dragon's Crown, the characters are, they have a look to them. They have a kind of giganticism about them, but certain aspects of them. It's like the, I think it's the warrior or something. Or the, like He's incredibly muscular, but his waist goes in no i think maybe he's just enormously huge but it, it, yeah like the amazonian woman's peculiar proportions are 
the uh, I forget what she's called, Sorceress, I think, is the one that like Kotaku wrote pieces on or Polygon or someone kicked off about the art style because she's got enormous breasts and she sort of leans forward as she walks and a bit like Mai from uh, King of Fighters. That character taken out of context of the other characters does sort of make you oh god like, but with all the other characters you understand like it makes sense within that that collection of characters if you see I mean they all have a similar look mm-hmm. it sort of takes its, its cues its art style from from there from Dragon's Crown the gameplay I've been saying that the gameplay of the Vagrant plays more like Odin Sphere um, but it's because it's got this map system where it's just like a box with a line to the next box and then maybe a line upwards or downwards or something and so it's not a detailed map it's just at some point in this room you can you can maybe go to a different one halfway through this room and the rooms are huge it might be a forest area or something or it might just be that you go from that screen to that screen to that screen to that screen for a while but actually the gameplay is probably more like Muramasa it's not as um, it is kind of like a brawler which is how Dragon's Crown played it's like a, an RPG brawler a bit like um, Guardian Heroes <laughs> just, <laughs> it's just like Guardian Heroes oh, Dragon's Crown was, was kind of that RPG brawler Muramasa is a bit more you spend more time in the air I guess there's more platforming aspects to it and and that's kind of what the Vagrant is. You start a fairly basic sort of, let's say, a medium attack and a heavy attack. So you, you know, square, 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 triangle. Or square, 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 triangle won't actually do anything to start off with. There's a, a skill tree where you use mana points to unlock these, and it'll, that's how you upgrade your attack power, your defense, your health, uh, your rage meter. But you also unlock moves. So if you want to be able to dodge, you need to buy that. If you want to dodge in the air, you need to buy that. If you... Uh, want to create a combo where you uppercut at the end that's square square triangle then you know you need to spend the mana points there and that's kind of what the game tells you to do is look you're going to need these moves by them first and then worry about upgrading them and increasing how much crit damage you you do and so on and so on so it's really cheap it's um i think it's about four pound full price on steam it's been in early access for a while but it, when it came out they, they launched it for 50 percent off and i must have don't remember adding it to my wish list but a watch list whatever it is on steam but i got an alert saying it was there and it was it was a pound 60 or something and i had about a pound 45 in steam credit so figured i'll give it a go kill a bit of time and yeah it's, it's actually pretty good it's not it's not as good as um olden sphere the i forget how it's called it's luft something or other luft riser or something like that this remake of Odin sphere that came out a couple of years ago is fantastic it's a brilliant, brilliant game. Out on PS4, I, th- I want to say Switch as well, I'm not entirely sure, Xbox, probably on PC. I think I played it on the Vita, I think I got sent it to review on the Vita, and it amazed me, because I, I thought I'd liked the PS2 original game of Odin Sphere, but I, I didn't get hugely far of it, it was, it was okay. This sort of fixes it, runs better, looks better. Amazing game, really, really good. Yeah, so this isn't quite that good, but it's, for for the price of it, and for something that I kind of get the feeling isn't made by a lot of people, I get the feeling like someone did the art, someone did the game. It's a pretty good job. It's uh, big, large bosses and platform elements to it with uh, different enemy types. And um, yeah, it's a cool thing. So if, if it's a cheap PC thing, which I get is not most people on the forum. They're probably not looking at that sort of stuff, but there's going to be, there's a couple of people it's worth keeping an eye out for and I suspect it will come to consoles at some point it seems like something that should come to consoles and if they can get it running cheap on the Switch I think it would be perfect for you know to dip in and out of on the Switch 
Mm. It would obviously look better. The art will look better on a, a PS4 or something like that, Xbox One. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a cool little thing and amazingly cheap considering how good it is. And there is a decent amount of game there. So the last one of mine is uh, Hollow Knight. Oh yeah, which I mentioned last month very very briefly because I was in the midst of another Metroidvania, which was Yoku's Island Express, and I kind of dismissed Hollow Knight. And it's a hell of a game. It's completely different to Yoku's Island Express in that Yoku's is quite short, or relatively short, and it's very bright and cheery, and this is dark, gloomy, and there's a lot of meat on the bones. Like, it's a sprawling, massive thing. I played about 40 or 50 hours so far. Admittedly, a lot of that is me getting stuck and dying on bosses continually, but yeah, it's it's fantastic. One of the things I've heard about it is that it's um, it's quite easy to miss fairly important things. Like you can get quite far in the game and not know about stuff or not pick up a thing that you actually should need. Whereas a traditional Metroidvania, Metroid or Castlevania, kind of gates you. You can't go here until you get this. So you, the only place left is to go to this area, which will get you this thing. Yeah, there's a bit of that, and there's a bit of the traditional stuff. So you just clearly bits where like oh right i can't get up there because i i need something like a double jump but you've got so many options of where you can go that it becomes really really daunting and i could have really done with more focus of you go here now you go here in the end it's more kind of you figure it out i don't even know if i'm near the end to be honest it feels (laughs) like i should be but there still isn't any real indication of where I should be going other than maybe try and find some bits that I couldn't get to before because I didn't have a power-up. Like, I'm pretty sure I've got all of the power-ups bar maybe one. I've got a double jump, I've got dashes, I've got various combat moves. I think there's one move left to get through gated areas. It's like, I think you dash through this like door you can't normally get through or something. That is, I think, all that's left to do. Yeah. But I have read that there's lots of lots of these kind of moves that are more or less optional, which is a bit weird. But it's really good. I couldn't tell you a single thing about the plot. I haven't got a <laughs> clue. It's very Dark Souls in the... There's lore and you, you talk to NPCs and they'll tell you things, but they don't really make much sense. And I don't know why my character is there or what I'm doing, but it plays pretty good. So there's that but yeah it's really good it's on the PC as well I have no idea if it's coming to Playstation or Xbox or anything but yeah you'd think so I think it's been out on PC for a while but it's been um, early access I don't don't know if it's out of early access yet no it is I think it came out last year ah right okay but moving on to want that, that goes nicely because my want is Dead Cells which has been on early access on PC for a long time yeah and it's supposedly coming out I think it's out August for the Switch and therefore the PC must finally be 1.0 it's meant to be really good it's only been on PC so far so I haven't played it because I don't bother with PC gaming much because laptops and all that (laughs) yeah I'll be picking that up once and hopefully by the time it comes out I will have finished Hollow Knight so what about you? I was going to pick a game but I've remembered there's um, well we've been talking about an awful lot of Switch games. Mm-hmm. 
there's a left Joy-Con you can buy that has a D-pad on it rather than the shitty buttons. Oh, handy. Yeah. So there's a lot of Neo Geo games and stuff that I've, I've not picked up on Switch that I would have quite liked to because they're quite the idea of having them on a handheld. I think they're a little overpriced, but but I haven't because of how terrible the, D- the that D-pad is. It's awful. Mm. So I've got Waku Waku 7, I think it is. Like when I like the day I got my Switch, I barely touched it because it's just it's borderline unplayable with it. I've been threatening to get one of these. I think I might have to bite the bullet at some point and get one. But I think it doesn't work. I think it only works in handheld mode or something like that. Like it won't work. The Bluetooth on it doesn't work with the Switch, so it needs to be played in handheld mode, which is fine, I guess. But I don't know. There's definitely negatives to getting it. So I'd quite like one, just so that. Um, Maybe some of those games are a bit more, bit more viable. Okay, so we move on to Bin. Yep. Do you want to go first or? Yeah, uh, mine's a pretty quick one to be honest. It could have also gone under once because it's the cross-platform play, or not necessarily play, but the stuff that's been in the news recently with Fortnite. Yeah. Where if you've played it on the PlayStation, for example, and then you play it on the Switch, it will tell you on the Switch this account has been blocked so you have to make a whole new account and it wasn't something I'd really thought about before but probably because of that I haven't played Fortnite at all on any system and I downloaded it when it came out on the Switch and I really wanted to play it but that's made me kind of stop and go well I don't think I want to now if you can't move your account across Yeah. and that's not something you have to think about much but when it's a free to play game it kind of makes sense to have that function there because like I play Clash Royale which is a cross-platform game so you could pick it up on iPhone or Android and carry on your progress. Yeah, everything's stored on their service or your account, all the details is stored there. Yeah, and you will play people on various platforms. Yeah. Like I will play people on Android and whatever. And also Warframe is coming out soon on the Switch. And that would be really nice for me to continue where I left off from the PlayStation and then bounce back and forth between the two different platforms. I don't necessarily care about cross-play, but carrying on your account stuff would be really, really handy. So whatever it takes to make that happen, that's that's my bin, is this whole thing needs to be sorted out because... It's not something I really thought about much in the past, but yeah, it's it's become a bit of a pain. Yeah, when everything's stored on, you know, server side stuff, so the company's server side, there's no reason why it can't. If it's using, say, peer to peer access, then I can sort of see it. I can see why it's like, well, we our system doesn't talk to their system. I can sort of see that. Like, if they hmm. wanted to do it, then I'm sure they could. But if you're all accessing Epic's servers to play the game or PUBG servers or whatever then and all your details all your account is on EA's you know for FIFA or whatever Ultimate Team should be able to be played wherever right if it's you know if it's all online if it's all stored in the cloud somewhere then it shouldn't matter where you play you just pull that information down so yeah I know uh, you, know, you listen to Giant Bomb I think they've said their thinking is it might just be the pay you know who gets the money if you buy uh, a t-shirt or whatever a hat or a yeah. gun skin or something and then you want to use it on another platform well you know I'd say that just whichever platform you put it on gets it but then 
you know, I don't know. It's not something that's affected me hugely, but I struggle to see a reason why they can't beyond, you know, why people can't play together and why stuff can't carry over other than just businesses not wanting to uh, let you. Essentially, just wanted to clamp down on people. We're in the lead. Make your choice. Play here where there's more people or play over there. Yeah, you would think that um, Microsoft should be now pushing this further to yeah. go from PC to Switch and Xbox to anything that you can play on those systems, your progress will carry across. Or that's then their best advert of, like, this is what we do different. Say you, you're a kid and you want... Um, you kind of want an Xbox, but all your friends have got PS4s, but you want to play this game, and let's say Fortnite is an example, I guess. If you couldn't play with them, you want to play with your friends, you kind of got to get a PS4. And mm. as someone who quite often through his life has gone with the console that is coming third, <laughs> like with Saturn and stuff like that, you know, it does cross your mind. It is something you have to think about. You kind of would want that to be like, yeah, you can still get our console. Yeah, you, you'll still be able to, yes, you're right, all your friends have got this, but you can still play with them. And Microsoft have been the, t- the one in the past that have stopped people from doing that. Um, you know, you used to be able to play crossplay ps4 sorry ps3 and and pc on a couple of things i want to say they did something with nintendo that worked as well sony rocket league you can play let's see on the playstation you can play rocket league with pc players yeah and the switch you can play with pc players and possibly xbox yeah and that's about it so they do do it and obviously street fighter worked ps4 street fighter 5 ps4 pc I understand why Sony are like we don't need to let you 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 know it's a hard choice you've got to make and you're going to choose us because we've got more games and we're the one that your mates have got and so on and so on Mm. but yeah it's like you're not really losing anything by just letting them at this point people have made the decision you're already in the lead and you're already gonna you know people want to share games or whatever or they're still gonna have to get a PS4 because that's what most people have got Mm. so I don't I don't see Sony losing out too much on it but it's only going to be news again when the next game comes out that that doesn't work and if that game is a really popular game you know there's not many that are more popular than Fortnite and it needs to make waves it needs to make waves repeatedly and it needs to start getting talked about you know when people on mainstream news sites and stuff are recommending stuff and they're talking about Fortnite or whatever and you know and then they start doing it I think that's when you might see Sony change their stance that's my bin how about you yeah, mine is NeoGAF. Huh. I don't want to go too far back, but years and years and years ago, NeoGAF was a terrible place. And then yeah. they, they fixed it up a bit. And in the process of that, it became kind of quite right on and, and liberal. Maybe a little bit too much so at points. And um, I, I distinctly remember being told that white people could not be racially abused. <laughs> and felt like I was the one that was about to get banned when I went well actually <laughs> and so it's comes I think largely it came from quite a well-meaning place but um, you have 20 year olds and whatever and they maybe haven't experienced as much of the world as you know so uh, NeoGAF is not what it was so after you've had this like, ultra uh, people would argue it's ultra liberal I don't, I don't know if it was there, there were certainly developers and, and people who had problems with it terms of how they dealt with stuff they didn't like something they thought it was anti-consumer they'd go after people so a lot of neogaf left when um the owner of neogaf evil law is his name on there 
it came out that he'd been a bit shitty with uh, some women in the past, but there was one in particular where he was drinking with this girl and she'd gone to clean herself up because she was ill and he walked into the bathroom. Nothing really happened, but it certainly didn't cast him in a good light. And a lot of people left and they just leave. They wanted their accounts deleted and all this sort of stuff. And Gaff just died. And it went from being this really, really busy place where every hour the whole front page was different and now it's like you there's stuff on there from like three days ago and it's a very slow moving place and it there's not i still go on there now it's, it's easier to post on there because you know your stuff isn't going to get as lost and so on that sense it, it's changed a lot and it's lost to somewhat it was like you're not getting your news from neil gaff anymore the reason i've picked it though is what's kind of happened is if you're going to look at it it's fairly binary left right if all the left-wing people have left because they feel like they need to because of, of what uh, Evil Law did and they can't be seen to be supporting that. So if you lose a huge amount of those kind of people, and those were the kind of people that were attracted to NeoGAF because those were the kind of people who were on NeoGAF, then what's happened is you've left the people who are maybe a bit more right, and that's attracted people who are even more right. What's happened over the past month or so is there's some stuff that's been on there that is kind of just like it would have got called out, it would have got shut down, and it doesn't anymore. It just gets repeated and echoed. So there was a thread about the Naughty Dog agenda. Naughty Dog uh, pushing diversity because right. because of a lesbian, and that's a terrible thing. But they've read this unbiased, or they've got this unbiased video from someone on YouTube, and he is really, and just watch it, kind of go, that's not unbiased. <laughs> but you're, you're all of a sudden, do you know what I mean? Like, the people being reasonable... I say reasonable. No, that's what you know. What I mean, I mm. don't consider myself ultra left wing. I certainly don't consider myself right wing. I'm not saying I'm centralist or anything, but you know, you're looking around at stuff and like. So there was something arena net firing. Oh yeah. There's a lot of people who think, and this isn't just Neil Gaff. There's a lot of people who think, well, she was rude to a customer. She got fired. Mm. Fair enough. It's not how I see it, but I can certainly see the logic behind that. I saw someone yesterday, they were still going through her Twitter timeline. They were going through like a way back machine type thing to go back to her because, you know, she's hidden it now. And they're still digging stuff up on her. And I called that out and was like, why? Why are you doing that? There's nothing to be gained from that. That, that is creepy. That's weird doing that. Hmm. And the threads have carried on for a bit. And they were talking about this woman who got fired from Nintendo about sort of five or six years ago, I think. She was a PR person because she worked as a sex worker of some sort as in her spare time she had two jobs and she had to get fired for having two jobs not what the other job was and somehow that got to she'd apparently not criticised paedophilia and so you know some of her views on paedophilia blah 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 and that, so the thread went to paedophilia and then I saw someone compare homosexuality to paedophilia I sort <laughs> of scrolled past and I was waiting for someone to go mate and no one did and there's just been a lot of a lot of that sort of stuff there was a thread about some i didn't haven't seen the footage of this but someone called someone uh well he said something racist to someone so the other guy hit him and he fell onto the tracks when he'd been hit the racist fell on the it was a subway or something and he he, he fell off the platform because he'd been hit and i saw someone go there's only one arsehole there and it's the guy who threw the punch you can't go no i'm pretty sure the guy that shouted racist abuse is an arsehole you can say they both are, but and it's it's just took a turn. It's a weird thing seeing not just that it's gone empty, but the void it's left, 
and you can start to see all the stuff that you'd maybe hear Waypoint talk about and roll your eyes out a bit in terms of, I don't think it's that organised, I think it's just people, you know, kids and all this sort of stuff, start seeing that sort of stuff happening and, and it perpetuating it and it's, it's yeah, it's, it's weird seeing it happen and it's it's a shame because in amongst that there are people, even people I've disagreed with in, in certain threads that are alright I just, you know, on this topic they're fine, they're I have more tolerance of women than they do, maybe. Hmm. But they're not monsters. But then there are other people. You're like, what the fuck? Yeah, it seems like it's um, there's a more diversity of people there in terms of where they come from. So lots of people from various European countries, less just Americans now. But it, they're all of a similar type, and they all feed the same thing and watch the same thing. And yeah, it's a weird thing, and it's not something because, like I said, I, I used to find. Neil Gaff a bit hard work when it was um, being ultra right on about things in the way that Reset Era can be but yeah seeing some of the stuff over the past the willful misinterpretation and and, uh, misconstruction or misconstruing items so like stuff getting pulled from Steam for various reasons they'll ignore the real reason it'll you know it's it's to make a point it's um, yeah it's hard not to go on there and, and start an argument not so much that Neogaf is, is falling, but what it's coming back as is um, that's my my bin. Yeah, it's a shitty, horrible place at times now. Do you want to put in any plugs about forthcoming stuff? Yeah, I um, I, I started a thread for uh, the Top 10 Games podcast. I did kind of hope the... Th- it's a weird one, because I kind of wanted the thread to also be a discussion. But then there's, there is that thing of, well, does that step on the toes of the, the podcast? So if you've got anything to say in there about anyone's lists or whatever, feel free. I'm, I'm not... It doesn't have to just be a place to store people's lists. Feel mm. free to make it a conversation. You've recorded yours with me. Yep. I don't know if I'm going to do one for myself or not. I'm still unsure. Maybe. There's someone else who I'm supposed to be recording with, I think, today. Uh, and I'm going to start, hopefully, try and getting them recorded so that people aren't waiting too long. I'm not entirely sure on the date, but I think the first one, I think yours will go up next month. Yeah. Uh, oh, I say next month, so um, August. Yes. And so, and then they're a monthly thing. So whoever's last out will have recorded a very long time before before the podcast goes up, I guess. But um, yeah. But yeah, so that's that's the next thing that I've, I've got coming out. I believe you've got, I mean, you've done the music podcasts and stuff, and so you're always busy. So now what we need is one more person to make um, stuff. So um, Sly's got his, I've got mine, you've got that. So if we can get one more person to make something every month, then it'd be grand. Yeah, yeah. There's the specials as well every now and then, isn't there? The you know, like we did a yeah. Yakuza one, and you've done Dark Souls. And- yeah, I haven't. I've felt a great inspiration for another one for a while, so. The next time I might do some specials will be Christmas time, to be honest. Yeah. But, um, yeah, we shall see. Anyway, we shall leave it there and we'll see you next month. See ya.